You're listening to The Scoop with me, Andy McAnally. You're listening to Stockport's independent podcast, where each week I speak to a local business owner. This week, I'm joined by Lorna Chudley of Inspired People Network. Hi, Lorna. How are you doing? Hello. I'm very well, Andy. Thank you. Um, yeah, good. Good, busy week. Lots going on. And uh, yeah, very much enjoying it all. Fantastic. So do you want to start, as we always do, by giving us an insight into your journey, your business, and how you got to where you are today? Sure, I will. Yeah, thanks, Andy. And, and, and just to say thanks very much for inviting me to be part of The Scoop. Uh, I've listened to a number of the, uh, the other broadcasts that you've done, and uh, it's great to hear you supporting local businesses. So really delighted to be involved. Oh, thank um, you. So inspired people then. Um so basically, I set up Inspired People in November 2014. So actually, it's over six years old now, which is which is great. Um, what what is it essentially? I help organisations, whether they be large organisations, small organisations, to identify the the skills and behaviours that they need in the people they employ to be as successful as they can be. So basically, I'm helping organisations perform through their people Um, and how I do that is by helping to understand the strengths and development areas of the people they 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 employ um, and develop them so it's about assessing people it's about developing their skills and capabilities and on top of all of that I aim to create inclusive workplaces where everyone can be who they want to be, uh, they can thrive, uh, where organisations are as diverse as they can be. That's kind of what inspired people do in a nutshell. So I'm a small independent consultancy. Uh, I draw in the skills of other uh, local consultants when I need to. How did I get here? Well, I worked for a a leading global talent consultancy for 11 years before I set up on my own. Um, And it was great working for one of the big firms because you get to understand, um, you get the best training, you get to understand, you know, what these organisations require. So I was regularly travelling up and down the country, you know, across across Europe at times to work with different companies. um, And yeah, employing some of the, I guess, leading assessment and development techniques, which was great. So I kind of learned my craft that way, working for a big firm um, and as often happens, you know, once you've had a family, you realise that you need a little bit more flexibility. And um, so it was partly driven by that, wanting to be, I guess, in control of my own destiny, to be able to sign off my own holiday form uh, was one of the benefits that I realised very early on, uh, which is great. Um, but also to, I guess, specialise in the areas that were most appealing to me, hence the, the focus on the diversity and inclusion as well. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a step I took then. I guess a fairly brave step in 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 some respects. Um, but I had a good network uh, and I had good support around me. And I just I guess I had the belief to 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 know that I could make it happen. So I've never looked back. And uh, yeah, a, a really great decision. And really lucky to have been busy all of that time, all of those six years, and work with some fabulous clients, big and small. Fantastic. So you've obviously had a really good, um, successful corporate career before the family, and now you're very successful uh, on your own afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. you said you were at a global uh, talent agency. Now, for the layman's in the room, what exactly is talent? I've done recruitment as well, and actually, I did recruitment before I did the I did the, the global talent consultancy. Um, 
and actually I've done sales as well. Um, and, and indeed, going back even further, um, <laughs> going back even further, I actually started out my career as a speech and language therapist. There you go. That's something different. Wow. Isn't it? We'll come back um, to that then. But I guess, yeah, we'll come back to that happily. Um, but I guess through all of the things I've done, um, there was always a desire there to help people. Um, and in fact, when I was back at school, I, I kind of think back, you know, I would have loved to have... Um, I think I always wanted to be a doctor um, realised I probably wasn't really clever enough for that um, and wanted to go into more of an allied health profession, hence the, the speech and language therapy. Um, so anyway, sorry, I'm digressing from your question. Um, so the global talent consultancy I worked for, it, it was, yeah, it was it was a, a big firm, long established firm. And, and what's great is I still work for them as an independent consultant now. So they still draft me in to support them. And it's those kinds of connections that really help me as a small business um, to, to keep going. And it also helps me to continue to, to hone my hone my skills, if you like. Okay, so while we're on that then, and obviously I will come back to your passions, mm-hmm. um, but while we're on the subject of recruitment and talent, what exactly is the difference between the two? Yeah, I guess, um, so talent is massive. Um, if you think of the employee life cycle, so from an organisation identifying that it needs staff to thinking about, well, what skills and behaviours do those staff need to have? Often we refer to competencies, behavioural competencies. So, you know, what are this, what are the, it's not just about going and, and picking up Joe or Joanna Bloggs off the street. It's about what skills and capabilities do we need that person to bring? Um, so we can help organisations understand those skills and competent competencies. Then there's the, an, obviously an, an onboarding process. There's... Um, matching the right person to the right job there's developing them when they're in that job there's promoting them so succession planning and understanding what we need at any one point in time as as our business evolves um uh so that's that's talent really in a in a, in a, a very small nutshell and um, recruitment is one part of that so the recruitment piece um albeit you know not belittling what my colleagues in recruitment do at all because it's a really important piece um but the recruitment piece is very definitely about um finding the people and 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 getting them into position um and and yeah they do they do other stuff as well um but the 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 broader talent piece is is more around the you know the 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 bigger picture what do we need what do we need now what do we need in the future what do we have what does that look like what are the critical success factors how are we going to make sure we get the very best people um and a lot of the tools and techniques that I use are, you've probably heard of um, psychometric testing. Um, you may have even been um, been lucky enough, um, perhaps you wouldn't view it as lucky, but um, you've perhaps been put through your paces with some of those things before. So, you know, a cognitive ability tests, you know, the numerical reasoning, verbal reasoning, personality profiling. Yeah, I think I did um, DISC, that's personality yes, profiling. Yes, yeah, DISC is, a, DISC is a great one. Yeah, the, the one I use most commonly is OPQ. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's it's a, a similar product, a similar service. Um, and I've had 20 years now of using, using OPQ and I, I just kind of runs in my blood and I, I know it inside out, which is great because it's just brilliant to be able to look at somebody's personality in that great depth and unpick what their likely way of behaving is in different situations, look at their leadership potential um, or potential to to fulfil all kinds of roles, not just leadership roles. Um, But it's really fascinating, I think, to be able to sit with somebody um, with with their personality profile sat between you um, and start talking to them about 
you know, the way they operate, what they enjoy doing, how they're likely to react in different situations and really get underneath the skin of, you know, somebody who might just be sitting in front of you in a suit with a CV in front of them. I can do so much more than that in in really drilling down into what makes up that person. Um, it's great. I, I love it. I get really excited about, about the tools that I use. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, I think sort of my instinct sort of for a comparison is that maybe talent is the pre-sales, the recruitment and the after sales, whereas recruitment's maybe just the sale. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, I think for me, talent is everything about the person. So thinking more holistically about the person, like you say, the, the before and the before the pre-sales and the after sales, um, the recruitment piece is the is the the vehicle, if you like, for getting them from one place to another place. Um, once once they're in, then you know all of the other things come into play about develop onboarding them, developing them, promoting them. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, it's a good analogy. Magic. That's really interesting. So let's go back. Um, you were talking about your passions and how you got involved in what it is you're doing. So when you were younger, you said you wanted to be a doctor, but yeah. decided you weren't clever enough. Yeah. <laughs> I went to a very dodgy comprehensive, Andy. Um, there weren't many doctors produced from the school I went to yet. <laughs> well, interesting. I grew up in Nottingham. Um, I've, I've been I've been around here for 20, 20 years, actually. Um, but no, it was uh, it was a, a dodgy, unnamed comprehensive in Nottingham, I will say, is all I'll say. <laughs> so go on then. You wanted to be a doctor and then you really decided that it was wanting to help people. Yeah. So it was that kind of, I think for me, and, and obviously I, I know a bit about personality and so I've, I've done various, or I've been analysed myself through the, 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 the job that I do. Um, one of the things I know is that I'm a very... Um, I've got a, a naturally very supportive and, and caring side of me. So I'm very interested in um, being considerate towards other people, understanding people, listening to people um, and really trying to get the best from every relationship. So seeing things from other people's point of view, adapting my behaviour to suit them and, and their needs. And I guess at the time, you know, in your in your, your mid to late teens, you don't really understand where those kinds of skills and behaviours might take you. But I knew it would be something that would be um, about helping people, I guess. Um, so I think it was a careers advisor when we, we were talking about options. And she, she mentioned speech and language therapy. And I said, well, I don't even know what that is. And I suppose there was a little bit of me as well that was drawn to it because I didn't know what it was. And I thought, oh, that's different. You know, you know what teenagers are like. Oh, that's different. Nobody knows what that is. I'll, I'll do that. I didn't just want to do something that was run of the mill. Um, and when I looked into it more and more, I thought, yeah, this, this, is, this is great. It's, you know, something a, a bit different, a bit sexy. And uh, I'll go for that. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about the speech and language therapy. How does that sit with helping people? Because I guess the, the natural reaction is maybe the health and social care. Um, that's what a lot of people do when they decide they want to help people as, yeah. a, as a young adult. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit more about the speech and language therapy. It was, um, yeah, so basically I specialised in supporting children with specific language impairments in mainstream schools. So I would go into the schools um, and work directly with primary school age children, usually early primary years, with things like, you know, autism, for example, people with young children with communication specific disorders uh, and work with their staff 
uh, with the, the school staff, but also with parents as well to put together uh, what they used to call you know therapeutic interventions of care. Um, so so putting in place a plan to enable that small child with a communication disability to to be the best that they can be to thrive as best as they can despite the challenges that they were facing and 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 I kind of smile when I think back to it because in so many ways it is still it's quite directly related to where I where I am today it is that whole thing I was going to make that exact helping, point <laughs> yeah it is it's quite funny really um you know helping somebody to be the best that they can be um it's those moments where you can step back and and look at the person in front of you and think I've helped that individual so whether it was that you know six-year-old child you know who was who was struggling to communicate or whether it's a, a senior leader who I've supported to achieve the next promotion or you know get on better with some employees when they were having some you know personal challenges or with managing to their regain team. the support of their team or something like that exactly yeah exactly so, I, it's all communication led really isn't it I it suppose is, yeah. you can be the most driven ambitious person in the world but if you haven't got the communication skills you're a bit stumped really <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely so yeah it, it it all links um and as i say it, it goes back to the initial passion which was very definitely about supporting helping um driving personal change uh, and that's something you can get a, a, a real kick out of because you, you know you when when you switch the light off at the end of the day and you get into bed you can look back and think yeah you know actually I've, I've, I've done a bit of good here you know I'm not on the front line in the NHS I'm, I'm I'm not you know changing people's lives in in the way that you know incredible people are every day um but I'm making some small difference to people in businesses helping them to be the best that they can be yeah I suppose you may not be saving hundreds of thousands of people's lives but at the end of the day, you might be saving somebody's life through helping them progress or or maintain in, and keep on track within their career. That's a huge difference to that individual. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking of that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good point. And, and actually, just on that note, I've just completed the um, my mental health first aider training with um, okay. Joanne Quinn. Um, so I know oh, you yeah. had Joanne Quinn on, on an earlier Yeah, we podcast, did. She was episode you? one. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, so she recently d- did some training that I attended. So in terms of saving lives, yeah, mental health first aid training is, is something else that I've added to my skill set, which is brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. So obviously we've spoken about your journey, um, how you got to where you are today, spoken about why you wanted to be independent. So let's bring it back a little bit to the local area. Um, what is how important is the the local area to your business and and vice versa how important do you think your business is to the local area as well yeah no it's a, it's a good question um so firstly how is the local area important to my business i think setting up on on my own with no marketing budget uh you know 6 years ago um with no kind of swanky um branding you know I, I i didn't come into this as a obviously as an established consultancy with a with an, an order book or a, a little black book of clients because 
in in being able to maintain the relationship with my previous employer I obviously couldn't poach clients from them and 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 you know so I've maintained that wonderful relationship with them and and to the extent that they still bring me bring me back on board when they need to um but I was starting from scratch so I knew I knew I had nobody I had no forward order book and I had I didn't have a client list and what the local area gave me was the support of a, a range of, of local contacts, people I'd met through the local nursery that my kids went to, the school that my kids go to, um, you know, just people that through the, the network that maybe my husband's involved with, you know, the local football club that we that we very active in. You just build this network of other people. And when you put that message out there, it grows. And, and so very quickly through word of mouth, through the people that I knew, I started to get invited into pitch for work um, to talk to businesses about what they might might need, how I might be able to support them in their, their journey to either a, a acquire staff with different skill sets or develop the skill sets of the staff they had. Um, and it very, very quickly grew from there. So I've never really had to, well, I haven't, it's not that I haven't really had to, I haven't had to advertise my business as such. I've never done any kind of costly promotions. No, you know, I've got a Facebook page that I'm not particularly active with. I, I use LinkedIn as a, as a professional kind of networking thing. Um, but I've never really had to actively promote my services because there's always been enough work through word of mouth, through recommendations. Um, and it, when you get talking to people, might be at the school gates. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a classic example. Um, you know, a, a friend who I've made through through the, the playground um, works at the, the co-op in, in Manchester. And she said to me one day, you know, Lorna, we're, we're looking to do some events around International Women's Day. I know you do some work around inclusivity and diversity. Do you think you could help us? And I went, you know, that's really exciting. So, you know, scurried home and put some put some time in the diary to speak to her and submitted a proposal. Hey, presto. I, I then worked with the co-op for the next two years, supporting them in events around International Women's Day. So things like that, really, it grows. And, and another way um, the local community has helped me is when I've been putting on events myself, just being able to reach out to that, that group um, and say, you know, who do you know? where else do I need to go would you like to come and support my events and so yeah just using that network and, and their network to gather momentum and, and and gather people you know into the inspired people family if you like and the second part of your question is what can I what do I do for or how do I use that or what can I offer back I think was your question yeah that's it I mean how does your business benefit the community yeah I suppose well, one of the things I like to think is that um, obviously having had the background working for a, a global consultancy firm, typically the, their clients were big businesses um, with big budgets. The fact that I'm a small independent consultancy means that my services are much more accessible to smaller businesses. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still work with some really big businesses as well, which is fantastic. Um uh, and long may that continue. But I do work with smaller businesses as well. So, for example, you know, you may be a, a, a company with with 10 employees based in Bramall. Um, you haven't got a big budget. 
to put in place a, a, a brand new competency framework and an, a new assessment process. You might not have the budget to coach your you know yourself yourself you know have a coach for yourself or any of your senior leaders um but you might have the budget to be able to work with somebody like me um so it's that it's that kind of the knowledge that I have coming from that global consultancy but with the making myself more accessible to smaller businesses I think is is really important um the the other thing and, and it's, it's a slight aside um and it's maybe stretching the SK postcode a little far. So it might be slightly out of remit, Andy. Um, but the other thing I've offered back is I've got a, quite a strong alliance with St Anne's Hospice in, in Hill Green. But anyway, one of the things I have done over the last five years is offer my services for free to St Anne's. Um, they do tremendous work there. They, they really do. Um, and again, just that whole thing about, you know, they haven't got a massive budget. You know, they need to raise thousands of pounds every day to stay open. But the work they do is tremendous. Um, and I approached them offering my service as a volunteer, not to, you know, I thought oh, I could go and drive the van for them or, you know, dig the flower beds or whatever. But actually I approached their HR team and said, I'd be really happy to support you in my professional capacity. You know, do you need any help with any of the things I do? And and they were, were over the moon. And, and so, like I say, for the last five years, I've supported them in delivering all kinds of training, 360 feedback, um, different different events. Um, so you know, it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not. It's not every week. I haven't got the time to do that. But you know, several touch points per year where I do something for for some time. So that's just a, another nice way of giving back. Well, that's fantastic. That's really uh, really good. Well done, and it's massive for them. Um, even if it's not weekly, those touch points every year are going to make a huge difference for them, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the one thing I would I would encourage anybody to do is is think about you know I think we all think about volunteering in traditional ways. You know, my my husband volunteers as a football coach for you know Juno Football Club, the local football club in Cheadle Hume. Um, you know, we all think about volunteering in 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 more standard or traditional ways. Uh, but I think think about what you do as your day job. And consider what you could offer as a volunteer. So you might be a finance professional. You might be able to just volunteer one day a year to support in in that capacity. Um, you know, there's something that we all do, like you and your amazing skills, Andy. You know, there's perhaps something you could do. Um, so yeah, I would just encourage anybody just to have a think about what what you can give back. Because if we if we if everybody in this world just gave one little bit back, um, the world would be such a better place yeah wouldn't it just yeah um great piece of advice there thank you very much Lorna. <laughs> sorry i'm evangelizing now <laughs> no i think that your answer was like exactly why i asked the question um i mean yeah don't get me wrong you have the ability to operate a global business because of the nature of your business but actually what's happening is still happening locally the networking you're doing on the school playground with the local businesses the charity the work that you're doing it's making such a huge difference yeah maybe globally but actually it's all stemming from that local community that local network and that's exactly why i run the podcast um, it's exactly what the answer I want from that from that question, I suppose. Okay, so back to the business. Um, you've had six years on your own. 
Let's talk challenges, Lorna. What's been your biggest challenge over the last six years? Um, I guess keeping on going sometimes when um when there are dips. You know, I've been very fortunate. I've always had enough work, um, which has been marvellous. But every now and again, you do hit a bit of a lull. Uh, start of the, the COVID pandemic obviously hit hit a lot of people, uh, me included. And it's that having that faith and that confidence to keep going. I, I wobble every now and again and I think, oh, maybe I should just go back and get a job in a, in a big corporate somewhere. And I do look every, every now and again, I kind of go, oh, oh that, that looks quite attractive. Maybe I could do that. But in all honesty, I have to remind myself that it, the flexibility and the control that I have of my own destiny my own little part of the world absolutely who sends off that holiday oh exactly (laughs) yeah um (laughs) it's you know i it's it's all my decision um so i think as for me as long as you can weather the the dips when you know invariably there isn't much in the diary as long as you can weather that then it's it's great to be on your own um i sometimes miss having colleagues and and i remember uh, the first year I was I was working independently, I, I I made up a Christmas party, so I basically contacted other local friends who worked for themselves and said, "Can we just have a, a team Christmas party?" Because I really miss things like because I'm quite sociable, and I miss things like that. So we we went out together and we did our own Christmas party, and um, so sometimes you kind of miss that camaraderie, um, but but yeah. I was going to ask how you overcome that, but. Actually, you've just answered that. (laughs) So um, what else have you done to overcome it, maybe? Um, I mean, I'm thinking, so we've got a mutual friend who I know you outsource your social media to. So I guess is doing things like that and maybe creating a team that way through outsourcing. Is that another way of overcoming Absolutely, yeah. Um, And I'm, I'm a firm believer that I do not know all the answers i'm a firm believer that in many areas um, so the mutual friend that you you refer to there you know is a digital um social media specialist and i i have no doubt that she will do all of that stuff better than me um so and and i'm not one to push myself to to try sometimes so i very definitely use people within my network um use others to accomplish things that I would never be able to accomplish or it would take me 10 times longer and I wouldn't do as good a job and so yeah very definitely will engage will engage with my network or you know ask my network who I can engage with I think you know it's easy to just think well I don't know anybody but if you ask that somebody always knows somebody who can help you Hmm, that's another important part of being local I suppose isn't it (laughs) absolutely and we're a friendly old bunch aren't we around here so there's always somebody to help (laughs) Yeah. So what about successes then? Um, I mean, you've mentioned a few. You've been going six years. Um, you've got long-standing clients. You've survived lockdown. What would you describe as your biggest success, Lorna? I think I've I've grown and I've diversified along the way. Um, and that is, for me, I think a real achievement because when you are an independent business you and you haven't got 
a, a budget for personal development. And um, what I've always made sure I've done is that I've continued to learn, continued to update my skills. Um, and so for the last three of the six years I've, I've been working, um, I've done more to understand the the whole area of diversity and inclusion because I could see that that was something that my clients were, were crying out for support with. Um, so I've done some I've done some training. I, I undertook a, a, a course, um, which was great. Um, I've created a number of new connections in that area. So I and I've started to promote a whole other side of the business that is focused on creating inclusive workplaces. And that has been really exciting because you know I know assessment and development inside out, back to front, and I've been doing that for for a long time. You know, twenty years in that field, but I think. To be able to to add something on to that, I'm not saying I'm that you know I don't do that anymore. I love and you probably gather that from the way I've spoken about it. You know I love all of the people assessment and analysis and, and development, and um, but to be able to add something to that in the creating inclusive workplaces is something that's been a real win for me per, on a personal level. I've certainly really enjoyed that, and that's something that I would love to see continue. Yeah, brilliant, fantastic. So let's talk a little bit more about about that about inclusion and diversity so i know you obviously mentioned earlier on you've worked with a co-op um on international women's day um and i know you've done events over the last few years for that as well so let's talk a little bit more about what your role includes regarding inclusion and diversity and and how you help promote maybe international women's day also yeah sure okay in international women's day um happens march the 8th every year so clearly very very topical and timely at the moment um and it's a it's a global event international women's day it's it's around the, the purpose of it is to forge a more gender equal world is is kind of the, the strap line it's about celebrating women's achievements it's about raising awareness against the bias that exists um they have a different theme every year uh, which is quite interesting so the theme this year is um choose to challenge is what they call it it's usually something quite catchy and and this year it's all about um being confident to call out gender inequality when you when you see it to call out bias and just to collectively help each other and that when i say collectively help each other that's not just women flying this flag or women helping each other it's about everybody that men have a huge role to play in creating a more gender equal world so showing support being an ally and helping each other uh, to create the right chances the right opportunities for everybody to to flourish um so yeah that that's what international women's day is and um, it's something that is increasingly on on people's radar i think and it's always been around but I think in the last few years, it's become more of a, an event. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. And you'll find that a lot of organisations will be promoting it and will be doing stuff to support support the messaging around it. So for me, it's always a busy time of year. Um, last year, I think I worked with three different companies that during the, the, this week, the week of International Women's Day, um, and I also had a, a speaker slot at um, the Women Leaders Association, which was great. So, you know, up on stage talking about actually for that, I was talking about unconscious bias, um, which is a workshop that I've run fairly regularly. Um, so, yeah, just great to be able to 
help people to understand that if we can create workplaces where people feel respected, whether you're, you know, male, female, whatever, where you experience that sense of belonging, where you're empowered to contribute and and where you've got that fair chance of progressing, where you're not held back because of the fact that you're a woman or because of your ethnic background or a disability that you might have creating those inclusive workplaces and, and spreading positive messages around that is something that so many more people are, are, are conscious of now. One of the things I did I did recently, actually, beyond just the, the speaker stuff, is um, worked with one organisation to do more of a diagnostic process with them. So, you know, they knew they wanted to be more diverse and, and more inclusive, but actually, first of all, they needed to understand where they were at currently so that was about sitting down with well I say sitting down with employees it was in the COVID pandemic so virtually meeting with with employees within the organization to gather their views opinions and experiences on what it felt like to be an employee in that that company uh, which was really insightful and um, being able to present that back to the client to say you know this is your organization this is what people say about your organization and then to overlay onto that some recommendations on how they could become more diverse more inclusive and create this sense of belonging for everybody um so that was another nice nice little project that i've done recently fantastic and you mentioned unconscious bias now that's something that i've heard quite a lot of recently and i'm sure a lot of listeners have Mm -hmm. as well but um what exactly is it and what can we do to maybe create a little bit more consciousness (laughs) about it maybe yeah, it's really, do you know, that's a really, really, that's kind of like the million dollar question really, isn't it? Um, so what, what is it basically? Um, the, the, the whole thing about unconscious bias is our brains are programmed to be super fast processors of information. I mean, you, you could never slow down your brain enough to be able to make conscious sense of everything that's happening around you. So what that leads us to do is make very quick snap judgments about people. Um, so, you know, when when we first came on, on you know, to, to talk, Andy, the second you saw me on screen, you will have made judgments about me without even thinking about it. As soon as I heard your voice, I would have made judgments about you without even thinking about it. It's all unconscious. Um, the same thing happens in the workplace. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, it's about... Um, what those snap judgments lead us to do and how they lead us to behave. So there's so much research around it that suggests that, you know, a a man displaying a, a certain or behaving in a certain way might be deemed to be assertive, whereas a woman behaving in exactly the same way will perhaps be called aggressive. Um, things like that, you know, we and, and things like other other little things such as viewing a name on a CV, you know, you might, you might look at a, a, a name on a CV that has perhaps sounds like um, somebody from an ethnic background, a different ethnic background, you might make a judgment on what that person is, who they are, and you might favour or, or not that candidate over one other. So yes, those unconscious things that are happening. And what we can do about it, well, we can't slow our brains down enough. And um, So we have to just try and slow things down enough, kind of catch ourselves in the moment to be able to be aware of those judgments that we're making. Um, And Slow the reaction down. Slow the reaction down. Um, just think about what what we say, how we view people. And I'll give you a a classic and real life example. (laughs) Count to 10 sometimes, yeah. Um, 
I'll give you a, a, a real life example. So I was driving along, um, you probably probably know it, the um what used to be the Bluebell garage in um just on the Hanforth Wilmslow border over there. Yeah. It's called Halliwell Jones, I, I, I believe. So we're driving along. My daughter in the back, she was about seven at the time. She was just learning to read. And she's reading, trying to read read the sign. And so she reads it. Halliwell, Halliwell Jones, Halliwell Jones. What does that mean, Mummy? Why is it called Halliwell Jones? And I said, well, once upon a time, there was a, and I stopped myself because I was absolutely 100% about to say, once upon a time, there was a Mr. Halliwell and a Mr. Jones, and they decided to set up a car dealership. But because I stopped myself in that moment, just driving along, I said, because once upon a time, there was a Mrs. Halliwell and a Mrs. Jones, and they decided to set up a car dealership. Of course, she's seven years old in the back of the car, didn't question it. She was like, oh, okay, you know, move on to the next question. But I just thought ordinarily, if I hadn't slowed myself down in that exact moment, of course, I would have said there was a Mr. Halliwell and a Mr. Jones. It's those unconscious biases that lead us to make assumptions about people and things around us. Um, So, yeah, it's about slowing it down. It's about exposing ourselves to different information. You know, think about the people you follow on social media. You know, are they all very much like you? Do they look like you? Do they think like you? Do they hold the same views as you? And challenging yourself to follow different kinds of people and different kinds of of information. Um, Calling it out. So when, when you see somebody being treated unfairly or a judgment being made about somebody, you know, stop and, and just encourage them to think about the decision that they're, they're making or the judgment they're making. And it's just about being confident to, to do some of those things. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I could talk for an hour or two on, on the whole subject um, and we don't we don't have that. But um, but, yeah, it's really interesting when you look at the science behind why it's happening, the impact it has on people's daily lives, particularly in the workplace. Um, yeah, you, you realize that we you know, we do need to do something to 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 change it. You know, and we look at our own parents and grandparents and the role models that we have in our lives um you know my mum she 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 worked but you know hers was very definitely the the homemaker role um whereas my my dad was the person who who went out to work they were my role models um and and the the world is thankfully changing um and i i think it's perhaps something that ignited my passion for this area really my kids I've I've got two boys and a girl and when I stop and think about what my daughter might face in the future and what you know the aspirations that I would like her to have and the, the dreams I would like her to follow you know I want her to be able to flourish in a world where there aren't limits or boundaries where she isn't going to be held back where she isn't going to be paid less because she's a woman um where she has the same opportunity and I think um there are enough of us now men and women who are aware of that and it the world is changing at a at a rapid pace but perhaps not as as quick as it as maybe it should or or it could and so there's a lot of work to do but we're getting there and you know days like International Women's Day is just one small thing Um, and again it it kind of I think back to growing up in in the 80s and anybody striving or championing women's rights as it was often called then was perhaps in, in many circles seen as a bit of a not a loony, but, you know, it was all a bit kind of women's libby and, you know, it was seen in some way to be laughed at or or, or just not to be taken seriously. Um, 
Whereas I think there's a, that that whole it, it's evolved so much since then, and I think we all recognise and, and actually a point I haven't made yet that is a, but is a really important point to make. Um, having more diverse workplaces benefits everybody. It's not just about equality; it's about getting better results. Um, and it's proven time and time again that the most diverse companies perform better. Um, they have that diversity of thinking and they a diverse workforce brings so much more Um, and if you've got a a group of leaders from all backgrounds who actually represent the the customers that they serve at the end of the day um, then they're going to make better decisions they bring more creativity they bring more innovation um, and, and results are positively impacted so you know there's a really strong business reason for having diversity in your workforce yeah i suppose it's a bit like a brainstorm isn't it like by having a diverse um leadership you've got a central goal but by by having the diversity you've all got different ideas and different ways of of getting to that goal um and i mean if you just had like a white middle class male for example there's one way one journey And it may not be the most effective way to do it. Um, so having that diversity yeah, makes absolutely. a huge difference. And that um, that diversity of thinking, I, I can give you another a quick example if you want it. Um, the um, so Halfords, everybody everybody knows Halfords. Um, I I heard a story, and I, I believe it to be true because um, I know some of the people involved. But there was a lady appointed to their board, um, and one of the things that they were trying to do was to just diversify a bit so yes Halford sells all kinds of products you know you go to Halford's to buy stuff for your car or your bike or whatever um but this lady on the on the the, the board one day said what about um if we had offered a service where not only could I come in and, and buy a new bulb for my rear tail light and um, but actually you could fit it for me as well because you know I'm, I'm not interested it doesn't float my boat I'm not you know I wouldn't know what to do with it and they said that's actually a really good idea so now if you go along to a Halford store there'll be the, the tent outside you've probably seen it at Stanley Green and um, there's the tent outside and not only can you buy buy a product but they'll actually fit it for you there and then that was a, a, the idea of a woman on the board you know would the men have ever come up with that idea maybe um but it was her that said actually that's what as a woman as a female customer that's what i'd like to see um so fantastic another example yeah, absolutely. of the, the innovation the, the man that came up with that idea probably wouldn't have spoken up because he'd have lost his masculinity wouldn't he of course yeah <laughs> that's right yeah absolutely absolutely oh yeah brilliant that's i mean it's really interesting and um I guess it's really important that people like yourself um, really promote the um, the consciousness of decisions like that. So yeah, well done, congratulations. So um, finally, then, Lorna, um, I always finish off by asking the same question. We want to come back to the Stockport area. What is it exactly that you love about the area? You've been here for twenty years. You've moved across from Nottingham. Um, it is home now. Aww. What exactly do you love about the SK postcode um, and the Stockport area? I think um, we're we're really fortunate. I think we live in. I'm in, I'm Bramall, but you know all the surrounding areas here. We've got the benefit of 
being on the edge of beautiful countryside. I mean, literally, I turn, I turn left out of my door and, and walk two hundred yards, and I'm in, I'm in fields and countryside. I turn right out of my front door, you know, a quarter of a mile, and I'm in the centre of a thriving, um, bustling, vibrant, large. It always calls itself a village. I think that's the thing about Stockport. They always call themselves a village, don't they? These aren't villages where I grew up, but anyway, the village of Bramall. Um, but it's vibrant and it's bustling, and there's loads going on when we're not in the middle of a pandemic um and then you you jump on a train and you're in the center of manchester in 20 minutes um so you've got that that feel of that amazing big, big city so you know from a practical logistical point of view we've got all of that going on so we've got the best of both worlds which is amazing but i think what what you also get is the the friendliness of a local population who genuinely care about where they live um i was a student in leeds and 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 leeds was an incredibly friendly place it really was um but i've never lived in a place like like this where everybody without fail that people would do anything for you and i think it's been demonstrated even more so in the last year during the pandemic um with the the you know the, the local community coming together to look after our neighbors um to shop for people who were unable to get out or shielding um just the way people have come together and and taken pride in who we are and what we what we do and i don't think every community has that i i do strongly believe that there's something particularly special um and just can't wait really for things to reopen and for us to be able to get back out there and just start enjoying what we've got in front of us be amazing and it's funny we had a a dinner table conversation just last night where my 12 year old son said uh mum um, do you you know your family are a, a long way away? I mean, they're not really. It's only Nottingham, but you know your family are a long way away. Do you miss not not being near them? Um, because I worry about if I had to move away from here, I would miss living living where we live. Um, and I had to say to him, you know, yeah, of course, you know, you, you I, I do miss them from time to time, but but we live in such a fantastic place, I can never imagine leaving. Um, and I honestly don't think we will, um, you know, not planning to retire anytime soon. But when I do, and if we downsize, um, I'm going to have my eye on a little bungalow in the village somewhere. Um, I'll be regularly walking in and, and you know, shopping in the local shops and, and uh, hanging out in cafes and, and bars. And, and that's me done. I can't imagine ever now being anywhere else. And I, you know, I've lived in a number of places, but but this is me done, I think. Yeah, it definitely has that feel to it. And I mean, I know that my generation and, and the the adults below my generation, I sort of there's so many of them from my childhood that are still here. Um, their parents are still here and it's somewhere that we consider home. And, and then we have people moving into the area like yourself um, who who do consider it home. I just think it's a phenomenal area. Yeah. Mm. yeah that's brilliant we're very lucky very lucky indeed absolutely brilliant well thank you very much Lorna it's been a great conversation I've really enjoyed it and I hope our listeners do too um so finally I guess do you just want to let people know where they can find you how they can get in touch with you oh yeah of course so I'm on twitter at um inspired underscore ppl for people at inspired underscore ppl people um and i also have a, a, a website which is 
um, www.inspiredpeoplenetwork.co.uk. Um, I do a lot through LinkedIn. So uh, if you look me up on LinkedIn, Lorna Chudley, um, when I say do a lot, I, I should do more in terms of the social media. That's where I've got contacts like Vicky Goldblatt to help me. <laughs> and I take it is LinkedIn and the website the best place to find you? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, so I'll stick all your contact details on our website. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, as, as I said, if anybody um, needs any support or even just a, a chat about, you know, people processes and how they can get the best from the resources they've got, the people resources they've got, then, you know, always happy for a, for a, a friendly chat and a catch up over a coffee. Um, so no problem. Ah, oh, brilliant. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. It's been really good conversation. I've really enjoyed thank talking. You too. Thanks, Andy. Really appreciate everything you're doing for the local community. Thank you. So don't forget, as always, please make sure you're following The Scoop on your podcast um, platform so you don't miss each new episode. If you have been enjoying listening to The Scoop, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to showcase not only the podcast, but it also helps promote local businesses as well. And finally, to support what I'm doing, you can always buy me a brew over at buymeacoffee.com forward slash The Scoop. And don't forget, whenever you're searching, it's spelt like our postcode, S-K-O-O-P. Thanks once again, Lorna. It's been great. Thank you. Bye-bye.